Good morning. As we say in Zimbabwe, we say uh, in the morning it's Mangwananiaka Naka. So it's, it's good to be here with you. Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians. Um, it's a good crowd here for, for Sunday school. I appreciate that. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians. We just, let's, we're going to do an overview of the book here. Uh, in, the, in the context of, of the local church and the gospel, this is a very, very crucial book. And so when we look at the Pauline epistles and how they're laid out, you know, obviously uh, Romans is the first book, but, but the Pauline epistles are laid out by length, but that's not undivinely because Romans, it's, it's the greatest book ever written on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Probably two of the greatest chapters in all of the Bible are in the book of Romans. I would say Romans 3 and Romans chapter 8. Uh, <clears throat> but the book of Romans, is, it, it, it's, it's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It tells us what the gospel is, why we need it, and what it should produce in our lives. Because the go- getting saved is not the end of the matter. It's only the beginning. And so that's, that, Paul wrote the book of Romans to saints, to individuals, to saved individuals, that they might be established in the faith. And so, uh, but, the, but the book ends uh, this way with, with the mystery going to all the nations, right? Uh, verse uh, 25 and chapter 16, you're, you're pretty close to being there. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment, of the everlasting God made known to all nations for obedience of the faith. All right, and so the, uh, the, the, the book of Romans ends with this mystery of the gospel going to all nations, but it's written to individuals. It's not necessarily written to a church. We get into 1 Corinthians, which is written to a local church. And so, look, when you get saved, uh, the, the, very, the very next thing on, on the list is to be part of a local church. And I know you guys are here this morning. I, I'm, talk, I'm talking to the, to the crowd. But uh, there, there are a lot of people that are not, not here, even in Hunt Valley today, but all around the world that ought to be in church on Sunday morning, and they're not. And so the, the, the next logical book is, is 1 Corinthians. And so 1 Corinthians is written to a local church uh, because whereas you're given the responsibility individually to get the gospel to the world, right? The Lord's given you a sphere of influence that you're supposed to influence. But that's fleshed out, that's worked out in the local church because that is the vehicle that God has chosen to get the gospel to the world. Now, I set out from Middle Tennessee yesterday to, to drive up here, and I, you know what? I got in the vehicle. I didn't get on a bicycle. I didn't walk. I wouldn't be up here today if I walked. And so I can, you know, I... I traveled a lot more miles by getting in the vehicle. And what, what a lot of Christians, what a lot of saved people do is they set it, they, they, you know, they want to do their own thing. They want the YouTube preacher because they don't have to, they don't have to uh, answer to him. Then, and so they, they don't want to be a part of the local church. And so they're walking everywhere while the local church is driving because, I mean, let's, let's just be realistic about it. Ten people can do more than one most of the time. And so... <clears throat> God has chosen the local church to get the gospel to the world. And it's made, made, up, of, made up of saved people. And so um, this, this is the next logical book here. But um, what, what do we all know the book of 1 Corinthians for? It, it's the problems, right? And so um, I don't, well, I know, about, I know about you guys as well. 
I'm my own worst enemy. Now, the devil's an enemy. I'm not trying to discount him. The world is an enemy. I'm not trying to discount them. But, you know, if I commit sin, you know whose fault it was? It was me. It's not because the devil tempted me. It's not because my worldly friend tried to offer me something that I didn't need. It's because I simply chose to sin. That's Romans chapter 6. And so, um, in the context of getting the gospel to the world in the local church, the first book that we're presented with, is, it's, full of, it's full of problems. And so the theme of the book of 1 Corinthians is perversion of judgment by pride. Pride is the problem here at Corinth. And it, pride in essence is, think, is thinking and making more of man than of God than they're supposed to and making less of God. And so I, I separate the book into two blocks, uh, chapters one through four. We have God's wisdom versus man's wisdom. The way God thinks uh, versus the way man thinks. And they're, they're completely opposite. They're, they're nowhere, they're, they are nowhere close to the same. Chapters five through 16 are simply perversions of judgment. And this is where we tend to dwell at in the book of First Corinthians because that's where all the problems are at. But that's a satanic device because if you dwell on the problem, you'll never get to the root of the issue. And so the root of the problems are not chapters 5 through 16 in the book of 1 Corinthians. It's found in chapter 1. And so uh, to fix a problem, you, you should get to the root of the issue. And if you fix the root of the problem, then the, the problems will essentially take care of themselves. And so throughout, throughout the rest of this lesson, I just want you to keep that in mind. Everything that goes on in the book of 1 Corinthians is undermining the propagation of the gospel. Okay, and so what you do individually affects this body right here. And what, what this body does obviously affects God's plan out there. The, the, the judgment of the Corinthians has been perverted and it's undermining the propagation of the gospel. Uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul continually makes the gospel the main thing. Now, <clears throat> um, the gospel isn't the ultimate thing. The glory of God is that and that entails more things than just the gospel. But in the setting of the local church, the gospel ought to be one of the main things. And so in chapter 1, I call this the travesty of the wisdom of God. <clears throat> and really the book, the book begins with a travesty, right? He says in verse 2, he says, you're sanctified in Christ Jesus. You're saints. He said, grace and peace be unto you. In, in verse 3, in verse 5, he says, in all things you are enriched by him. In verse 6, he says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. In verse 8, he says, who shall also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now consider what he just said uh, to, to who he is actually writing this to. Okay, and so that, that's, that, seems like, that seems like a contradiction, but it's not. Because, you know, if you're, if you're saved, the Lord's going to confirm you to the end, right? He's, uh, you're blameless in the, eye, in the eyes of God. Okay, and so though, the, though these are blessed truths, the very next verse in verse 10, Paul, Paul's, he, he's already bringing this problem to light. And he, he, he's, he's, he's talking about unity in verse 10, and he, he, he essentially avails this unity in five different ways. And then in verse 11, he says, For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now we know the, that the Bible says in Proverbs 13 that uh, only by what cometh contention? Pride. Pride is, this is the root of the problem at the church at Corinth. And you look in verse 13, it's illustrated, is Christ divided? 
I'm sorry, uh, verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I have Apollos, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. So what they have done is they, they, they have in essence brought Jesus Christ down to the level of men, and they brought man up to the level of Jesus Christ. That's what pride is. It's the, it's the very opposite thing that John the Baptist said, right? He said, I must decrease, he must increase. Well, pride is I'm going to increase, God's going to decrease. And so they, that, they've made more of man than they're supposed to here. And so we look in verse uh, 18, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is, is to them that perish foolishness, but in, unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And so... Um, this is the travesty. God has taken the gospel, which we know, we'll find out here, here, here shortly. That is, it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and to the world that He has made that foolishness. Right now, so a lot of you know this. You go out here and you witness to someone, and you tell them that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and that He rose again the third day. And the only thing you have to do is to simply trust that. And what do they do? They think you're crazy. They think you've got to get baptized. They think you've got to confess all your sins. They think you have to go to church. They think they have to be a good person and all these other things. Why? Because they're following the wisdom of man, right? Man wants, man wants to do something to, to gain favor with God. But Jesus Christ did it for us. And so this, this is the, the travesty of the wisdom of God. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, the gospel was finished, Right? The, the, the period was put on the gospel and, and it was done. And so when we add anything to that, when we try to add anything to what Jesus Christ did for us, we, we have now perverted the gospel. And so th this, this is what man wants to do. Man wants to pervert the gospel. And so God has taken what, what man says is wisdom and he's made it foolishness and vice versa. And why has he did this? Because in verse 29 of the same chapter, that no flesh should glory in his presence. On March the 1st of 2008, I got saved, and I didn't have anything to glory in myself. The only thing I could glory in was Jesus Christ because he did the work for me. And so this, this is why God has taken the gospel, and, and he has done this because it's what Jesus Christ did. And, and, the, and the only person that, de that deserves the glory is Jesus Christ. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Chapter 2 is the teacher of the wisdom of God. So we have the travesty of the wisdom of God. We have the teacher of the wisdom of God. Chapter 2, verse 13, I'm sorry, verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, Paul tells them in, in the first four verses there, he says, hey, I didn't come to you with excellence, excellency of speech. He says, I, didn't, uh, I came to you in simplicity of speech. He said in verse 5, because I wanted your faith to stand in the, in the power of God and not in the wisdom of man. And so <clears throat> the Holy Ghost is the one that conveys spiritual truth. Now, uh, Paul, that doesn't, that doesn't take away our responsibility of going. Now, Paul, right, he says, and brethren, when I came to you in verse one, so he came to them in, in simplicity of speech because he wanted them uh, to, for, for their faith to rest in the Lord. Now, listen, um, I believe in being prepared. I believe in, 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 in uh, making preparations. But when you go out there and you witness to somebody, if, if you go out there and you have the greatest oratory skills and you just, you just cross all the T's and you dot all the I's and the Lord's not in it, they're, they're not going to get it. 
And it's the same way up here. If I, and I can't do that, but if I could, and I could get up here and talk with the greatest voice ever, and I could just uh, make everything sound just like it was great and it was the best thing ever, and the Holy Ghost didn't convey that to your heart, you're, you're not going to get it. Because the natural man inside of you, if you're saved, you have a natural man, you have a new man, a spiritual man. That natural man does not receive the spiritual things, right? It's the Holy Ghost dwelling inside of you that, that, that receives those, and it's the Holy Ghost inside of you that conveys those. Now, remember that the next time that you say you can't go out and witness to somebody. Remember that the next time that, that, you, uh, that you think when you minister to some of your lost family members or your friends that you're not doing any good. All the Lord told us to do is to simply go and convey his me- and tell his message. And he's the one that's going to, he's the one that's going to implant that in their hearts. Okay. And so I, I like that because if I'm simply just faithful to what God has told me to do, he'll take care of the rest. And that's, that takes all the pressure off of us. All you have to do is just simply do what God says. Now, as far as the saved people are concerned, uh, you have the Holy Ghost. So there, there, is a, there is a vehicle inside of you, which is a man, it's the Holy Ghost, that will receive that. Um, but you, you actually have to receive that. And let, 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 let me give you this to think about. Uh, your pastor can get up here and he can be right on the spot, right? He, he got the exact message that the Lord wanted and he's conveying that. The Holy Ghost is, is doing his part on his end, and, but, but, but you didn't. And, and you're not where you're at supposed to be, uh, and you're not living exactly like you're supposed to. And that day was the message that God was going to take to, to, to change your direction and to get you on the path that he wanted you to get on, but you weren't in the spot you ought to be in. Now, um, that's a sobering thought because uh, what we're all about is we're, the Lord, I don't, I, I'm not trying to sound all new agey here, but the Lord has a plan for each of you individually, okay? And um, there there are enemies trying to undermine that. And we we need to be on the same page with the Lord, with the Holy Ghost. So chapter 2 is the teacher of the wisdom of God. Chapter 3 is the test of the wisdom of God. This is the judgment seat of Christ. Look in verse 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, we're, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not ignorant of this, right? We know what the judgment seat of Christ is. It's a day out in history. It's a, it's a real day that every single one of you, if you're saved, you're going to stand before Jesus Christ and you're going to give an account for what you did in your body. Right. And it's a very sobering day right here. People are suffering loss. Now, you know, the thing about losing something is, is, um, you actually had it, right? It was in your possession. It was yours, but you lost it. And so a lot of us are going to stand here on this day and we're going to watch things that we could have had uh, that, that go up in smoke and you say, well, you know, uh, I'm saved. Yeah, I, I understand that. And that's a blessing. This is, this is not a judgment about your eternal uh, standing. But yet I will remind you, uh, who, who comes back with Jesus Christ during the millennium? It's the saints. And I, that's a thousand years. I don't know. Maybe we'd have to live with that regret for a thousand years. I, that's, that's just a thought. But I wonder how many of you sitting here this morning uh, have considered this day this week? How many of you put yourself out there on this day at the judgment seat of Christ? Um, I'm not trying to beat you up because I'm guilty. And so 
You know what would be a real good thing if, if, we, if we would just simply make all of our decisions with this day in mind? Because it's, it's, it, it's not about what you want. It's not about what you want to do now that you're saved. We'll find this out in chapter 6. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to Jesus Christ. You're supposed to do what he wants you to do. And so in verse 18, the Bible says, let no man deceive himself. And what we do is we deceive ourselves. And I'll talk about this tonight if the Lord will let me because we become unaware. And we forget about the things that, that really matter. We forget, for, forget about the things that are, that are of utmost importance. And we just, we don't think about what we're supposed to. Now in verse 4, the Bible says, in chapter 3, it says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Verse 21, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. Now on both sides of the judgment seat of Christ, you've got this thing of pride. The, the Lord's given you a warning right in the middle of that to say, you know what, just, just get over yourself and, and do what I want you to do. Chapter 4 is the trustee of the wisdom of God. Now, um, verse 1 of chapter 4, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, in verse 14, the Bible says this in chapter 3, I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons I warn you. Now, Paul, what are, why are you warning them? What are you warning them about? In verse seven, he, or verse eight, he, st he starts uh, telling them, he says, now you're full. He says, you're rich, you're reigning. In verse 10, he says, you're wise, you're strong, you're honorable. Then he starts talking about he and the disciples. He says, we're last, we're appointed to death, we're a spectacle of the world. He says, we're weak, we're despised, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're naked, we're buffeted. We have no certain dwelling place. We labor, we're reviled, we're persecuted, we're defamed. We're the filth of the world, we're the offscurring of all things. Then he says in verse 15, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Verse 16, Wherefore I beseech ye, be ye followers of me. Paul, in, in essence, is warning them, you know what, you've got it easy. You're not suffering these bonds. And he says, you better be real careful because it's through these bonds that you are begotten. And saints, you know why a lot of you know why more people are not being begotten, more people are not being born again because, and that boy, can we can we relate to this in America? We're at ease, we're at, uh, we, we we've got it easy, we've gotten comfortable, and we've forgotten what our responsibility is. Paul, Paul is warning them here. He says you've got it, you've got it easy. We don't. He says you better be careful because it it was it was through these bonds that you were begotten. Now. If, if you're being faithful um, and, and preaching the gospel and doing what you're supposed to do, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna experience some of these bonds. You're going to be despised. There, there are people going to look at you and they're going to think you're weak. They're going to think you're a spectacle of the world. But this, this is why people are not being begotten and why we're not good trustees of the wisdom of God is because we've sought ease instead of, um, instead of uh, what's right. And... If we're honest, we all struggle with that in, a, in our society and in our culture because it's a constant battle. It's always trying to push in. Now, chapters 5 through 7, I call this uh, perverged, uh, perverted judgment by fornication. Chapter 5 is perverted judgment inside the assembly. Okay, so the, the, the rest of the book is a perversion of judgment and every single thing that follows un undermines the gospel. 
in, in verse 6, that their judgment is so badly perverted, they're glorying in fornication. Right? That this, this man is probably taking his stepmother uh, to, to be his wife, and they're like, well, praise the Lord. Uh, glory to God. He, he has the liberty to do that, and they're, they're glorying in that. And we look at that and we say, well, you know, I would never do that. Well, um, you know, they, I, I, they wouldn't have said this either. The, see, the problem is they don't understand because their judgment's perverted. And this, this is the problem with perverted judgment is because you don't, you think you're doing right and you're not. You're, you're actually going the wrong way. That's deception. And so uh, this is perverted judgment inside the assembly. Uh, at, at, the end of, at the end of the chapter, look at verse chapter 5, verse 12. For what have I to do to judge them that are also, that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. And so what they're doing is they, they, like to go out, they like to go out and compare themselves among themselves, right? Because once you, you, you can go out and you can find anybody out there to make yourself feel better about your spot and where you're at. And this is what they're doing. Paul's like, you know, you, you're not supposed to be doing that, right? The, the judgment's supposed to take place within, within inside the assembly. And uh, the, the fourth most should be within your own self, right? Uh, the Bible says there, if we judge ourselves, we'll not be judged. I think it's chapter 6. And so this is perverted judgment inside the assembly. Then it moves to chapter 6, which just flows naturally, perverted judgment outside the assembly. This, so chapter 5 inside, chapter 6 is um, uh, outside. Verse 1, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Okay, so what, now, what the, now what they have uh, done, because they've got their eyes on the world, they went to the world to get their standard, Right? They, they, they no longer have the standard that God wants them to have, which is this, right? God has given you a standard right here. There's nothing in the world that you need outside of the Bible to get what God wants for you. But they have gone to the world uh, for, for them to fix their problems. And, and Paul is rebuking them uh, of this. Listen, if, if you're having issues, you don't go to somebody that has more issues than you do, right? Because the world needs what you have. They don't, you don't need what they have. And so the, the world is, is, is sick and tired of, of saved people talking here and doing here. They're looking for something different than what they have. And this, <clears throat> their judgment has been perverted here. And they went to the world to get their standard. Chapter 7 is perverted judgment in the family. This is, this is the last leg the, the devil's going to kick out to destroy a church. In verse, in verse 1, uh, you've got a man touching a woman, which turns into fornication. Then you've got some getting married in, in verses 3 through 5, but they pervert the relationship. In verses 7 and 8, you've got some that get married that shouldn't. In verse 9, you've got some that should get married that don't. And then, uh, and then you've got divorces in, in verses 10 and 11. Verses 12 through 15, then you've got uh, unequal yokes, which sends everybody into a tailspin because... You're wondering, are they saved? Are they lost? Can I leave? Do I have to stay? What should I do? And so then right in the middle of that very thing, Paul mentions in verse 17, a calling. And a calling is, is in essence this. It is a distribution, right? It is God taking a piece of his work and, and placing it in your lap. He's, he's distributed that to you. And so um, there's a lot of you young folks in here that are not married yet. Let me, tell you, let me tell you how you can miss the Lord's calling on your life is to get messed up domestically, is to marry the wrong person or to not marry the right person. And th this, this is what's going on here at the first of the chapter. And uh, then he, he ends with uh, domestic issues there at the end of the chapter as well. 
So chapters eight, so chapters five through seven are more open in nature, right? We've got fornication going on. We've got we've got the church going to the world to get their standard. But then chapters eight through ten, this this is this is more inward. This is matters of the conscience. This is where the devils like to hang out at. And so I call this perverted judgment through idolatry. All right, chapter eight, you've got perverted judgment of liberty. It's it's this in essence. You've, you, you've got two brothers here. You've got one brother. He doesn't have knowledge of the idol, right? He thinks he thinks there's food over here that's being offered to idols. You've got the other brother. Uh, he has knowledge, right? He knows that the idols are nothing in the world, that, that there's, there's one true God, and I don't have to worry about these idols. But... But then you got the brother that's got the knowledge. He's going and sat down in the temple and he's eating the food offered to idols. But, it, but it, inside his conscience, it's not offered to idols because he doesn't, he doesn't care about the idols. But then you got the other brother here. He, he sees this brother who he knows has knowledge. He sees him eating this. And the, and the weaker brother over here, he's struggling inside of his conscience because he thinks it, this is offered to idols. And he's already doing this and he's defiling his conscience. And he sees his other brother take this and what does it do? It emboldens him to, go to, to, to continue to go against his conscience. Now, listen to me. You want to do something to damage your life spiritually and physically, you just go against your conscience. And that's what's happening here with this, with this weaker brother. The stronger brother, you know, he, he, he just has to exercise his liberty. He just has to let, let he, he just, he, he can't contain himself. And, and something that wouldn't normally be sin becomes sin to the stronger brother. Because, because, Here's the spirit of the matter. He's not considering his brother. And Paul says there, look in verse 13 of chapter 8. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Paul says, in essence, I'll be a vegetarian if it's going to offend my brother if I eat meat. Now that, boy, that's, Paul is thinking about his brother. He's not thinking about himself. This, this right here is a church killer. I, I'm not surmising. Uh, I, don't, I don't have a clue what's going on here or anything. I'm just telling you, if we don't consider, you don't consider the guy sitting next to you, behind you, you might be destroying that guy because he may be struggling with something he don't really know about. And, you, you know, you've got the liberty to do it, but he doesn't. We need to be real careful about considering others. Chapter 9 is perverted judgment of the minister. Now, this is, this is really curious. The word gospel is in 1 Corinthians 13 times. 10 times it's in this chapter. Now, you know what that tells me? Whatever Paul's talking about in chapter 9 is extremely important when we talk about the propagation of the gospel. And I'm not going to go all the way through it, but it's money. That's what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about they that preach the gospel shall live under the gospel. And so, listen... Um, I'm not going to Zimbabwe without financial support. That's, that's just a fact of the matter. Um, pastors that are fully supported, they get a lot more accomplished because they have more time to devote to the ministry. And so um, this, 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 this is a crucial matter in, in, in the enterprise of missions and in the enterprise of getting the gospel to the world. And uh, there's a lot I could say about that. We'll move on. Chapter, chapter 10 is perverted judgment of history. Uh, Paul's giving them a history lesson of Israel. And, and, and you, know, you know the problem with history is we don't learn from it, right? Israel in Acts chapter 7 is called a church. And God overthrew them in the wilderness. And Paul lays it out perfectly for you. And in verse 6, they lusted. In verse 7, 
they, they, weren't con they were content with God being out of the picture. In verse 8, they committed fornication. Verse 9, they tempted Christ. Verse 10, they murmured. And by the way, that is the thing in Numbers 14 where God says, you know what, I'm sick and tired of this. Israel, you're going back to the wilderness for 40 years and you're going to wander there. Right? So, so the journey wasn't a 40-year journey. Right? I don't know. Maybe it was two weeks or so. But because of their murmuring, God, God, God turned them around and an entire generation died before they went into the land. This is perverted judgment of history. Chapter 11 is perverted judgment of the sexes and the Lord's Supper. In chapter 11, he's talking about head coverings and he's, and he's distinguishing men and women, right? Because men and women are different. I don't have to describe this to you. And he's talking about a, a covering, right? Which is what we, we could talk about clothes on that. But they have perverted judgment of the sexes. Now, is there anything more pertinent to our uh, culture nowadays, right? People are arguing about what a man and a woman is. And th this is fleshed. Listen, men and women are supposed to be different and they're supposed to look differently, right? And I don't, I'm preaching to the choir on that, but, 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 but this has crept into the church at Corinth. And it's not just your dress, it, it's everything. And, but then the, the, the chapter ends with they have taken something that is holy, they've taken something that is very serious, and they've made light of it, the Lord's Supper. That's chapter 11. Chapters, chapter 12 through 14 is perverted judgment of spiritual gifts. Chapter 12 is perverted judgment of the body. Now, when you get saved, the Lord puts you in, in the body in, in whatever place he wants to put you in. That, that's up to him. And you know what we do a lot of times? Well, I don't want to be a hand. I want to be a foot. Well, I don't want to be a foot. I want to be an arm. And we, we look at other people in the body and we get jealous about what they have. And we just, we just want to be like that person. Lord, why don't you give me what they have? And you're just supposed to be simply be content with what the Lord has given you, what, what he's put you in the body to do. And so verse 26 is, boy, it's, boy, it's a death blow to pride. Look at chapter 12, verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, a way to test this, uh, Brother Caleb gets up here and, 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 he, and he commends someone. He just, he literally, not on purpose, he, it was a genuine, he just genuinely forgot to mention your name. Do you rejoice with the person that he commended? Or are you sitting back there, well, I can't believe he didn't mention my name. He don't, he don't really care what I do. That's, that's pride. That, undermi that undermines the gospel. That attitude undermines the propagation of the gospel and it perverts your judgment. Perverted judgment in the body. Chapter 13, pervert perverted judgment of virtues. Verses 1 through 3, we won't read them, but that's, that's some of the scariest verses in all of the Bible to me. Um, you, can do, you can do anything you want to. You can be the greatest person ever. You can have the greatest faith ever. If you don't have charity... Paul says, or the Holy Ghost says here, it's nothing. It doesn't matter. We need chapter 13 to take care of the problems in chapter 12. We need to exercise charity, right? If, if I'm ranking the virtues here, I'm not going to put charity first. I'll probably put faith first, but that's not what the Lord says. Charity um, is the greatest of them all. Chapter 14, it's probably the most straight, straightforward chapter in all of the Bible. I don't know how the people how people mix this up. It is an illustration of a spiritual gift that is used in, incorrectly, right? The, the point of chapter 14 is, is edification. That's what it's supposed to, it's supposed to be about somebody else and not about yourself in the context of tongues. Chapter 15 
It's perverted judgment of the resurrections. They are, there are people in the church at Corinth that are questioning the resurrection. And Paul says, if you don't believe in the resurrection, he says, your faith is vain. Right? That's Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And this is a very, very sinister thing that is going on. So chapter 15 is perverted judgment of the resurrection. Chapter 16 is perverted judgment of offerings. Paul gives you 58 verses on the resurrection and then right verse 16 one now concerning the collection for the saints in essence he's saying you believe that jesus christ rose from the dead now now put your money where your mouth is now uh for, for, for from what i've seen you guys are doing that and that's a blessing um get, go further do more um paul ends the letter in verses 5 through 11 in, in chapter 16 with his missionary plans to come by corinth right and so Paul was always concerned with what the Lord gave him to do. So <clears throat> these, the, so we, we have fornication, we have idolatry, we have, we have perversion of judgment and, and the sexes, we have perverted judgment of spiritual gifts of the resurrection and giving, and it all commenced with pride. And every bit of this has undermined the propagation of the gospel in the church at Corinth, and Paul is trying to get them to get their focus back on the gospel and what really matters. And because it is the local church which gets the gospel to the world, and if we, um, we get prideful and we get lifted up and we get to thinking that we're something when we're not, um, our judgment's going to get perverted. The, 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 the crowd in Romans chapter 1 didn't, you know, they didn't, they weren't, you know, they didn't, they didn't expect themselves to be where they're at, right? God give them over to a reprobate mind, and a reprobate mind is simply a mind that's, that, that can't make a right judgment. They, they didn't understand it. They knew God, right, in Romans chapter 1, but yet they found themselves over here working all uncleanness. And so the, the, the point is, is what you do individually affects this body, and what this body does affects the work of God because God has given Hunt Valley Baptist Church a responsibility. You know, we, we use these terms sometimes, and I'm guilty of using them as well, like, you know, God doesn't need us. Well, that sounds real well, but he's chosen to make himself vulnerable to, to, to every one of you in here, right? He could come down and preach a lot better than we could, right? He, he tells Moses, uh, he tells uh, Noah to build a boat. The Lord could have, I mean, in the snap of a finger, he could have built the boat, but he, t he told Noah to do it. Uh, he, he comes and he tells Moses, take the children of Israel out of Egypt. He could have, he could have stomped on uh, Egypt in just uh, in a matter of a second and, and, and brought them into the land, had their houses ready for them, but he didn't do that. He, ch he chose men to do that. God has chosen to make himself vulnerable to Hunt, Hunt Valley Baptist Church. And, and I'm, just, I'm just trying to challenge you and, and provoke you. What you do in your personal life affects the person sitting in front of you, behind you, on the side, and it affects the work of God. And um, we just need to focus on what really matters. Back to you, brother.